This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says having females in leadership ensures the ongoing attraction and even more importantly, retention of other female talent. And joining me on on today's show is Ruby Koleski. Now, Ruby, she is part of the CEO Collective as well as the Heart of Product at Joyous, a Kiwi tech company helping large organizations include their people in making change happen through their two-way conversational feedback platform. Ruby is also the co-author of Joyfully, a book about shared leadership modern organizational structures, and a new way of working for product and engineering teams. Now, on today's show, Ruby is going to share when it comes to your ideas, aspirations, and goals, go for all of it. She's also going to talk about if you don't feel valued or respected where you are, don't settle, as well as try and make a bigger impact on issues that are important to you. So, welcome, Ruby. Hello, kia ora from New Zealand. Nice to be with you today. It is wonderful that you are here. So tell us a little bit about a snapshot, if you will, of um, kind of what the pathway that led you down to where you are today. Have you always um, enjoyed tech or was it an experience that kind of opened the doors to tech? What was it for you? Oh, uh, originally I studied to be a comedian, um, if you could believe it. (laughs) And um, I don't have a joke on hand for you at all, but um, at some point I realized um, that that probably wasn't the right path for me. And the next logical step, if not comedy, seemed tech to me. Um, So as a little girl, I used to love playing Nintendo. I'd spend hours gaming. Um, I've just always been naturally good with technology. And at that point in my life, sort of, it was becoming really clear worldwide that technology was going to be sort of a big part of our lives so um yeah I just got into it here in Australia if we think about STEM obviously I'm sure that's the a common term around the world Mm -hmm. you know in technology engineering and so forth you know often and I, I know that's changing now but which is wonderful that you know women are entering uh the the tech space so often we think well that's really not for me but but in actual fact the guilt, the gifts, the skills, the talents, abilities that um, you bring can really be leveraged within the tech space because tech can be used for all sorts of things. I mean, obviously, with your company here, um, Joyous, a, t- a Kiwi tech company, you're helping people to create change through a conversational feedback platform. So using tech, it allows for the connection, communication. Mm and so forth. So the outcome is something that I'm sure, you know, all of us can relate to. So it's wonderful to, to hear, you know, stories from yourself of uh, women who are in the, the tech space. Let's mm. talk about when it comes to ideas, aspirations and goals, go for all of it. Uh, yeah. So I got some advice a while back, um, which was not to limit yourself. Um, and it was given to me in a package which was like, Ruby, really, you shouldn't limit yourself because there's just so many other people out there who are willing to do that for you. 
Um, and to me, that that just really, really hit home to me in such a meaningful way. And it resonated with like so many of the experiences throughout my life where honestly, if I just reflect back on it, I had formed this habit of chopping my own ideas down to a size that I thought was going to be palatable um, for others. Um, and I'm just really happy to realize that probably for the last year or so in earnest, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Um, and I think as a result of that shift in my mindset, um, the outcome is that we actually achieve far more for our people in the organization that I work in um, and even for our customers um, who I think are just so much better for it. Um, and if I'm honest, I think the same goes for me personally as well. Um, yeah, I did not think, I did not think, let's say a year and a half ago that being a co-CEO was even going to be on the cards for me. Um, and, and, and it's just transpired that way. So, yeah. Um, what an incredible piece of advice um, and encouragement to have been shared by someone uh, that's, you know, as you said, significantly changed your outlook, your mindset, and obviously results that you've been able to impact others through. What do you think, looking back, reflecting back, what were the, some of the reasons why you did kind of chop up, you know, kind of limit yourself, if you will, because I'm sure many women that are hearing you today or even the, listening to the recording can relate to that. Why do we minimise ourselves in that way? Why did you? I, I think for for myself, I I, ha, I had a I had a view that was a little bit more out there um, than the conventional view. So I was always someone who thought um, we should do more for people than what the done thing is. Like for me, the done thing. I just hate that statement. I hate the done thing. <laughs> like if you tell me what the done thing is, you've given me the the anti pattern most of the time, and so. I guess being a boundary pusher, I was always playing the mental game of like how I know I can't get what I really want, but what is the the best that I'm going to be able to do here in the context of whatever situation I was in. And so I guess I just did some pre-negotiation on my end before I got to people. Um, yes. Not not really meaning to do that, but I mean, I get I used to get told no a lot, <laughs> and I yes. you know spend eighty percent of my time. Um, as much as that in previous companies, literally just politicking. Um, and I always just used to feel this is such a massive waste of my time because I could be spending 80% of my time actually doing the things that I knew to be right in the first place. And so that's completely flipped <laughs> where I am with Joyce because we just spent pretty much 100% of our time doing the right thing now and we're just aligned. Um, and so I think being in that environment has enabled me um, to have to do less of the limiting thing and it's kind of like any situation it's only once you're at the other end of it that you you kind of really appreciate what extent um you were facing or dealing with something if, if you know what i mean yeah. Oh, I totally know what you mean. It's like, um, you know, those saying, "What? Well, why change things? Everything's just working well." You know, it's like, no, let's challenge the status quo. And you're so true too. I mean, you you have like this real entrepreneurial, um, you know, mannerisms about you. And for those of you who feel, "What is wrong with me that I can't fit in the organisation? Everyone else is happy. It's just that you're not supposed to fit in there because totally. the environment." keeps you stagnant and what I you know it's like you get to a certain 
age or stage in your career or someone, a champion empowers you to say, Ruby, you're not meant to fit in. And in actual fact, people need organisations who appreciate you will appreciate that you push because through you asking, well, why do we always do that way? We could do it better. Look, we want 150%, but I'm happy to do the 110%. You know, that will push, that will evolve and we need people like that. And often, you know, you're not part of the crowd and that's okay. That's you know, okay if you think differently because, you know, there's innovations that we are using and benefiting from today because there were people back whenever that said, actually, no, I'm not going to do it that way. This is the way we're going to do it. And now all of a sudden there's this creation of something that other people said, that's what we needed. And so I love that you're championing that message. Don't fit in. What 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 were some of the things then that you maybe needed to remind yourself of as you started to, to say, you know what, I am going to start to challenge that a little bit. Did you find that you started to within a certain environment and because they continue to push back, you realised, well, maybe this is not the environment for me and then you made that move? What The reason I'm asking that is that there's some people today that may be hearing you, Ruby, and saying, you know what, I need to do more of that. But maybe for them, the change of environment is going to be important. What are some of the insights you can share? Well, I think it comes down to feeling valued and respected where you are yes. um, and and feeling accepted completely for who you are without you having to like constantly feel like you're editing everything you're doing into the form that you think people around you are able to receive who you are in. And so I think I was in an environment where, I wasn't as valued or respected. I, I I wouldn't say I was disrespected, um, by the way. Like I actually I had a, I've had a good run in every company I've been in, but I guess my values um, weren't one hundred percent aligned to to some of the leadership and the other organisations that I was in. And I, and 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 I'll be really specific. I value people over profit, so I would rather be in a company that makes slightly less money but is absolutely fabulous to work in than like a chase the billion dollar thing and everybody just hates working at that organization so so that's sort of what I've come to realize alongside in fact alongside the co-CEOs I work with at Joyce we've we've verbalized that in our company here Um, and to me that's beautiful and so having worked in more commercially driven organizations in the past a lot of the time when I was labeled the rebel or the troublemakers when I was sort of advocating that uh, no we should just say no to that because we can't make people work this much and those that group over there is not being paid fairly we need to everyone needs an increase there out of band and oh no we don't do that and I'm like well, that, that, that's not okay so yes. we have to and so and there's a oh it's just Ruby again you know she's just always She's just always causing trouble. Um, and, and and what really pissed me off, to be honest, is that um, people had this view that I was doing it to build my own reputation or that it was somehow all really selfishly driven. And, and, and somehow in my mind there was a point at which I bought into that and I was oh, yeah, I must be. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to to swear on your show and and oh, really, like, I, I will say oh, your maybe. your stand for and passion okay, oh, well yeah your stand for is between um what what you're passionate about and what pisses you off yeah so, you so off. I, I think I, I you know we all have a story and we all have a past and I guess I I come from a past where 
Um, I'm the sort of person who's willing to go, oh, is it me? Am I being an asshole? So, so when you're in an environment where whenever you try to do something, you're kind of painted as the asshole, um, yeah. you know, it does make me feel like, oh, I must do, I must make myself smaller here. <laughs> um, if, I'm, if I'm my total self, then I'm just, just too much for this place. And so there was a lot of that going on. And, um, yeah, stepped into um, joyous. Um, and it is honestly the first time in my life that I've been lucky enough to just find a place where, man, I just am a hundred percent myself. There's, there's, yes. there's zero percent editing going on. And, um, because I 100% know that nobody thinks I'm an asshole, um, I don't have to spend any mental energy editing anything. And I can just I can say what I want to say, even if it's not a fully formed thought. And instead of being judged for it, I'm now surrounded by a group of people like Mike and Phil Carden, our founders, or Kevin and Lisa who run engineering at Joyce, and they finish my thoughts with me, which is kind of wonderful. And sometimes they take it even further than I did a lot of the time. And I just think that combination of us all in that shared common mindset of, I guess it's really just like, we're very aligned on our purpose and our mission and we're really keen to figure that out together. Um, and that's the, so you know, it's bigger than us. And so that's, that's sort of, yeah, I definitely wasn't in that scenario before. You know, when I hear people talk like that and, and the fact that you're called a rebel and, you know, um, a, a troublemaker and so forth, instantly, because my background was in the career industry, and I've heard that so many times where maybe someone had been in a workplace and then the leadership had taken over and then all of a sudden a role that they loved, an environment that they loved working in has changed and they weren't able to put their finger on it. Uh, and it was then that they realised when they looked at their core values and for some for, for some of you know your core values it's, it's true it's integrity it is fairness it's equality it's all of those different things those are your core values I'm sure that you've got many more but when an environment that you're working in the leadership the culture of that organization is very different and they don't see that paying you know the the, the wages across the board is equal if everyone's doing the same role why not pay them equally and all of these other things it just means their core values values are different doesn't mean you're a troublemaker but in actual fact you could say to them well your core values they suck you know I wouldn't want to work for an organization that didn't care about its customers and would be willing to refund money because you know you haven't delivered on what you promised you know all of those kind of examples the thing that and this is what I wanted to say the thing that people are criticizing you for is often the thing that is your inner brilliance. And I'll give you an example. One of my clients was told many, many times, you need to stop asking questions and just get into like, stop it. That was her gift because through asking questions, it allowed them to really get clear on some, you know, many, many different things to the point where she no longer did that. But when she finally realized and gave herself permission to show up as she was, she realized it was an, an innate gift that enabled her to excel and support clients in a way that no one else was able to. So I guess what you're saying um, too, Ruby, is you've experienced that you've got to find a right environment where you fit mm, so that so. you can shine and use those gifts and talents that other people are calling a rebel, a troublemaker, but actually mm. it what it so makes you unique and where you can contribute mm. uh, immensely to an environment and a team who values that, yes? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would, my... Less polite way of saying it would be don't bloody settle for shit yeah, <laughs> because I got I got quite Stockholm, to be honest. Like you spend a long enough 
amount of time in an environment like that and you just begin to think that it's like that everywhere yeah um, maybe and, there's me. maybe they are you yeah. know you start validating this is, normal. Normal. This, is just, this is just what it's like at a job but um there are honestly and i'm very lucky because with joyous we get to work with a lot of other organizations who use our tool and i can tell you for a fact that there are plenty of genuinely great places to work out there and i know i mean I'm not an idealist. I know it, sometimes it depends on where you fall within an organization and who your immediate circle of people are that you work with. But I can guarantee if you keep looking, you'll find something. And you've got to be really clear that that's important to you and that's what you prioritize if you are, if you do end up going, oh, maybe I should think about this differently, you know, because sometimes changing how you behave within an organization and staying there, that's that's not always, it could work. But a lot of the time it might not be enough and you might realize actually it is just me. I I wouldn't I can't thrive in this environment or I'm actually not suited to helping this environment. I'm more suited to something like this. And yes. once you know what this is, you can go looking for that. And for me, for example, the one of the things I struggled with was the organization had gotten really big people, people numbers wise. Yeah. And so in that organization, it gets hard to to innovate because everything is becoming really structured and complex. Um, and so what I've learned is I'm really well suited to a smaller organization where you want someone who can be innovative and streamline things and change things really fast if that's what's needed. So therefore I thrive. And so that's what I've done. I've gone to an organization that, that suits my personality, I guess. Yeah, that's brilliant. Was that something that you recognised um, yourself or was that something that someone supported you in recognising? Because, again, self-awareness and recognising that I work better in smaller organisations where when we talk about innovation, we implement, you know, within the next, you know, couple of weeks, months, whatever, not years. So was that something that you came to learn yourself or you had support um, and identified? Well, so the, the organisation I have in my mind, I actually joined when they were small. And the first half of my tenure was fabulous. Like I, I genuinely had the best time. Um, and then the second half of my tenure towards the end of it, I was like, I just don't feel this, the same anymore. And I reflected on why. And, and, and that, that really seemed to me to be a big part of it is that it was just the size of the organization and that things had, as they do, right, they get slower the, somehow the more you add people. Um, and so, yeah, it became one of the deliberate things I was looking for um, when I then moved on was how early stage can I get into a company? I didn't want to start something from scratch, but I wanted to be sort of the first of my type or my kind to enter an organization and in, 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 in my function. And so, yeah. so that's what I that's managed to do. So important. I mean, I know for me, I love creative projects. I do love um, challenges. So when, you know, when when challenges are there, you've got to problem solve. You've got to, you know, um, I hate to use the word pivot because we've used that so much over the last year, but it is finding a way. Can we go over, under, through? How can we change that? But as soon as things start to get into place and working smoothly, that's when you go, well, there's nothing I can grip my teeth on. Recognising that then for you allows you to remain involved in those areas that require the skills and that, that you love to, to use so that you can purposefully and intentionally put yourself forth for those projects, those companies, those kind of things. What would you say to someone then that may not have gotten that self-awareness yet? Were there some things that helped you get even more clearer on, well, these are the kind of environments, the projects, the organisations that I love to work with? Were there a couple of kind of spotlight insights that you can share? Well, I think 
like I would encourage anyone listening to just take a minute to take stock of how they feel, like physically feel every day. I can remember um, after having left an organization, many years later, I drove down the motorway and it was the exit I used to take to get to work every day. And um, I suddenly got really angry <laughs> while I was driving and I was like, why am I getting angry? And I'm like, oh, this is the route I used to take to get to work. And I was putting like my war, my war mentality on because every day I went to work, I was like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to have to go fight for something to happen today. I'm ready to fight. Um, and so I think about, think about how you feel and are you happy with how you feel? Do you feel like, do you feel good? Yes. Is, is that, and, and if you don't feel good, then I think you got to unpack that and go, okay, so why don't I feel good? Because it'll be totally different, right, from my from my story. But like, it might be that you're not doing what you want to be doing as as a job. It might be nothing to do um, with the environment and, and how you treated it. it. Might be that you've got you've got in the back of your mind there's something else you should be doing. And then and then I just um, for me, I took a really practical approach. I was like, right, what could I be doing? Where could I go? And I actually just analyzed it and I made a list. And I was like, what are the three most important things for me if I could make a change that like I would really value these things over anything else? And so size of the company was one thing, stage of the company was another thing, um, work-life balance, that sort of stuff. Could I could I be a contractor and would I be happy just going from place to place? Did I want to go all in somewhere? And I was like, oh, so who am I kidding? I can't do anything <laughs> in a detached way. I'm going to go all in. So that made that all really easy to decide. And I'm glad I was methodical about it and, and quite because it's an emotional thing to do. But like within that, it's really good to do some sort of a uh, rational assessment, I guess, if you could put it that way, and then like use that to like direct you further. I love hearing you say that because I remember in the career industry, it was actually one of the reasons why I, I left because so often people would come to me when they'd lost their job. And but they'd been talking about that for years that they were unhappy and it and I was and many of my career colleagues were similar. We put more effort into planning, planning and mapping out where are we going for our annual holidays, how are we going to get there, all of the things that we're going to see. Yet with our own careers, and we spent more time in the work that we do, we spend little time in analysing these sorts of things that you said so that we're more reactive, I think, rather than proactive. And where Mm -hmm. do I want to go? What projects do I want to be involved with? What networking events? Who do I need to connect with within the organisation externally? We we see that that whole career management is so important Mm -hmm. um, and empowering because you can make better decisions. And I love the way that you said, you know, try and make a bigger impact on issues that are important to you Mm because often we feel that we can't. Um, we're not clear on certain things. When we're not really solid on our, these are my core values. This is what I I need to uphold daily, and I have to find an organisation that is as important to them as it is in me. So, what would you say to someone who knows that they are that that there's a bigger why, that there's a bigger purpose for them, uh, yet maybe not seeing that they can make the impact that they uh, long for? What are some things you can share? Well, I think everybody who feels a calling to do something should do it and they shouldn't wait for permission. They shouldn't seek approval. As a human individual person on your own, you're enough to make an impact, you know. So if you've got something that's really important to you and there's a few key issues that really matter to me, for example, I'm a parent um, 
who also is really driven and, and, and loves doing madly complicated things. Mm-hmm. And so um, having gone through the journey of being an engineer and then going and having kids, um, it became not really in an intentional way, but it's a mission of mine to make sure that like people's lives as parents is really good at work. And so I'm doing work beyond joyous to help enable that for parents. And um, I'm not sure I, I took people on the journey, but it was a fait accompli that I had to do something. Cause I want to, I want, I don't want other people to have some of the experiences I have. And I just, I feel compelled to do it. So like if anyone's got a compulsion to do it, I think if you just, begin down the path and you signal your intention to do something you'll be probably quite surprised that maybe not everyone maybe not the person you'd hope for but people will align around what you're doing and will want to support you and I had great support with I open sourced a parental journal journey policy um, that is available to anyone to use around the world and it's our internal policy we developed but um, it's a really now we all contributed to it, actually, but um, it's a really special one in our in our country, um, and we've had a couple of people adopt it already, and um, and we just keep and pe- others have taken parts of it that they can, and um, yeah, so I think no, I didn't wait for someone to tell me to do it. I wasn't in a position, by the way, in the company where that was my job to do that either. I'm not in HR. <laughs> um, but I just had to do it, and so I did, and so m- most of my um things that I do that I would say are uh, making an impact outside of what's in my job description. I just, um, I just do them. I just, I can't not do them. <laughs> and yeah. and I think if I didn't do them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy, you know, not really like, and, and by getting to do them, I'm actually better at, at the other things that I do need to do as well. So yes. it, it's, in the end, it all gets really symbiotic and, and kind of related and um, it allowed me to shift from a position of, I don't know if you've heard of like um, people um, who, you know, most people are leading from a position of fear, like the fear of failure or a fear of um, something or the other being stepped over or whatever. And, and, and very few people get to that point of self-authoring and sort of leading with intent. Um, but as soon as I sort of realized that a lot of what I was doing, a lot of my limiting stuff was fear-driven um, and and instead of reacting to things in a fearful way, and often in those circumstances, right, you're not reacting in a good way or a way you feel good about. I tried to switch to like, how can I be intentional? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did that, I was sort of like out of character for me because I was like, it's not about me. It's not about uh, something really small. If I was intentional, I'd be operating over here and thinking really into, like bigger picture thinking. And then I started doing that um, and it was received really really well like because I wasn't doing it from an ego driven perspective I just wanted to help mm-hmm. so I point out a problem indicate that we could help in this way and then everyone went, oh let's do that and it was wonderful for me wonderful and that's by the way how the co-CEO thing transpired um, was because I just started helping more and lucky enough to work with the people I work with the two other co-CEOs said well maybe you should join us it wasn't like a, that's brilliant brilliant you know? and Pointing out in case people missed that, um, you had an idea and you allowed yourself to go to that place of, of thinking big, not settling, but actually what big impact do I want to make? But then being able to have a conversation where you got buy in from others around you, you inspire mm-hmm. them to see that vision. And I think sometimes that's where a lot of people struggle too, don't they? Is that they're not able to communicate it in a way that everyone can see a value add to the community or to the, you know, to the 360, whatever it is, stakeholders, them, in fact. And I think that that is a lesson that many, you know, women that have come on this podcast 
have said, when you're able to clearly uh, communicate that vision, the outcome, the project, the opportunity, and get others, inspire others on board. I mean, that's that's true leadership, isn't that? When you can inspire others to go, yes, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's for some people, how are we communicating that? Are we communicating it in a way that's not from fear? Because how you respond or how you communicate that, I'm sure if you had a look, Ruby, how you you may have communicated it very differently had you come from a place of fear than one of intent, yes? I would have gone in demanding it and fighting with a fighting mindset. But instead I would I had thought about how I was going to say it and I had thought about how people might react. And I can tell you the story because we're a little company, at that, especially at the stage I, I did that work. We were smaller than we are now. I say little, I mean... <laughs> We're doing really well. We just don't have a lot of people. <laughs> so we're deliberately a little in, in, in people size, but we're, we're, we've got global reach and we, yes. we the numbers look good. But anyway, um, because we're small, we're startup sort of stage, we were year two back then, the idea of going, I want to have like a world-class parental journey policy that pays, you know, pays really well. It has all these extra things associated with it that like normally you would you wouldn't even expect from a big corporate that was sort of my angle I was like I want to do that and I was like what what might someone say to me and they might go oh we can't afford it because we're early stage and so I thought if that was that if that was a response what would I say to that and I said well I went and did some research before and I was like proportionately you know you actually are paying for that person's salary anyway a lot of the time you don't cover them and percentage wise it scales so yeah it might cost a corporate a lot to do this but we have a lot less people and the chances is like it's like 2% of your workforce are going to go on to become parents in a given year so that you can budget this and you can rationalize this and if i say it's going to be the equivalent of 16 weeks pay and he has these amazing things we're going to shape around that for example returning to work um and only having to work 30 hours a week instead of 40 for six months, paying for six weeks leave up front, offering unlimited free counselling, unlimited special leave for the first six months in case the child is sick and so on, it actually makes logical, financial, economical sense. And then you've reduced these people's anxiety, you'll retain them more, they'll be more stable. will remain the same because they've got the support. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. You put it together in this beautiful business case study, um, that they've gone. I don't know why we haven't done this early. <laughs> yeah, literally, it took it took a short, short amount of time because I did get asked that question. By the way, that I thought I was going to get asked, but because I had that answer, they were like, yes. "Oh, that's good. okay." Well, then we've got no limitations to this. And then, um, in that case, I remember both of the founders actually contributed something even better than what I was thinking yeah. um, to that outcome. So it was really, really good. And um, had I been from a position of fear, I think what I would have done was gotten up, like preemptively upset that they were going to yeah. push back on it and then sort of getting, I would have tried to push something rather than trying to say, let's do it to can we do this thing together? And here's, you know, the good reasons why. I mean, brilliant. That that in itself is someone to take away. I mean, I've loved everything that you've shared, but I think if someone just ha- does that differently, have I been coming towards this from a place of fear and therefore that's coming through in the way that I'm communicating that? Can I do this from a place of intent and do a little bit more investigation about how I'm going to kind of pitch it to them that it's a win-win-win for all parties? 
Mm. I think. I remember years ago when I was in the, the career industry, and I often refer back because the things that I learned and did can is is applicable, you know, with my clients across all of our um, wherever we are. And when we're talking about salary negotiation, you can negotiate a salary so high that is having you paid far more than anyone else in any other industry in the same role. But if you don't do, look at it from a win-win from the organisation's point of view, you may just have negotiated yourself out of a job because they can't mm-hmm. afford you. But if you look at, you know, the equitable for, for yourself, for them, the growth opportunity, then you can negotiate something that, you know, you may be able to grow with the company as you're growing income and things like that. When you look at it that way, everyone wins. It shouldn't be a win-lose, but a win-win-win, I think. 100%. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about Joyous. Oh, well, Joyous, um, besides being the best place to work in the world, <laughs> um, I mean, the mission there is to, I guess, um, include peop- your people in making change happen. And what we really built for is we built for these really large organizations and we have this two-way feedback platform that can help these big, and I mean really big companies where you've got this kind of diverse workforce out in the field and it's really hard to connect and communicate with them. We we have a tool that can help you de-risk your strategic projects, improve your operations, and hopefully even transform your cultures, right, um, into being the sort of place that, you know, people are happy to be at work. And um yeah, what, what we're kind of known for is that um, most people think of feedback as this sort of anonymous thing that you you fill in this long survey and you spend forever doing it um, and then nothing happens. Um, whereas our tool is open, which means that because you're giving your feedback openly and your name goes with it, you can actually own being a part of the solution and it's much more inclusive and Joyous works on any device. It's kind of like a chat app and we just ask one little bite-sized question a week. One question a week, it takes one minute to respond. And then amazingly, it actually goes to the person who it should, someone who can do something with it. It could be your leader or a project manager or subject matter expert, and they can, God forbid, talk back to you and action can happen right at that moment, right at the edge of your organization. Things can change in a meaningful way. And then we take all this amazing dialogue that happens and we have all sorts of um, AI and machine learning models that an- can then analyze it and take to this really kind of high up executives who, who cannot get down to the ground. We can give them the insights from those conversations and help them take even more action. So, yeah, so that's joyous. Leaders say, if only I'd have known, they can do yeah. a bit of a pulse check. Because often what happens down in, in as you said, with the, the team, they're often at the coalface, aren't they, the front line of customers, exactly. whatever, uh, equipment, machinery, what have you, and an initiative that they suggest can completely eliminate, you know, eliminate outdated things. I mean, I, I, how valuable it is to be able to, to mm-hmm. tap into that. That, uh, that conversation and suggestions. And so how can people find out more? What's the best way to connect um, and find out more about how Joyous might be able to support them? Well, uh, joyoushq.com is our website. Um, and so there's a Joy Dog, which is both our, our avatar, our logo and our, our identity. You can chat to Joy Dog, but like, yeah, you can oh, reach out to us from that and learn about us there and how yeah. we work and what we do. Um, you know, if you're the sort of organization that wants to build um, a psychologically safe environment, one that's high trust, you really need to be including your people and you need to be doing that in an open way that encourages people to feel safe 
to give yes. their honest feedback with you know as themselves it is even so. more so now isn't it when you've got a lot of larger organizations having more of this hybrid team where some are at home totally. some are in the workplace some may not necessarily um, be within the the environment where they can even share you know face to face that that kind of thing and a lot of organizations have teams all over the world too so i can imagine they'd be incredibly uh, valuable mm. so can you just what's the website one more time it's joyoushq.com. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you, Ruby, for sharing. Uh, I can see, you know, from what you shared and with the C the CEO and so forth and, and the others, um, often what happens, you know, from what happens at the top filters down and uh, the short stories that you shared, I can imagine just what an incredible team but an incredible company too that that Joyce is so thank you for coming and sharing your story and a little bit more about uh, Joyce and how that can help larger organizations well thanks so much for having me it was a lovely conversation this podcast is brought to you by the influencealliance.com want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series.